Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a special guest, John Bianchi, and he is going to be talking about Airbnb data and some of the incredible work that he's doing within this space. But before we jump in, here is a bit about John. John Bianchi has more than a passion for the short-term rental industry. In his words, he's obsessed with it. John is known in the industry as the Airbnb data guide. In 2020, he sold his successful Chicago-based STR management business. John has developed a unique data-driven approach to evaluating vacation rental properties and for the past few years has been advising investors and owners on how to identify the right properties to buy and to maximize their revenue. And without further ado, I want to welcome John Bianchi so he could tell us why he chose to get involved in this field as well as sell his business. So without further ado, please welcome John Bianchi. Hello, thanks for having me. My pleasure, John. And before we dive into the work that you're doing with Airbnb and the data behind it, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal manner. So there are two ways that we could do that. One is an icebreaker or two, it's a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Let's go rapid fire. I'm feeling it. Okay, here (laughs) we go. We're playing rapid fire with John and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question number one. Why did you choose Airbnb over VRBO or some of the other rentals? Airbnb is just so dominant in the market and uh, it's so much easier to get bookings in comparison to VRBO, or at least it was. Uh, VRBO is pretty strong right now as well, too. Amazing. Question two, this is a follow-up question. Since um, you're already in the Airbnb space, do you think you'll tap into the VRBO space since that one's also strong? Honestly, Airbnb is pretty dominant in almost every single market. So you you really don't need VRBO. However, there are markets where VRBO is prominent. Like 50% of the people come through VRBO. So like super vacation areas, um, that's where VRBO really stands out. So if I were to be in those markets, then yes, I would look more into it. But if I were to be in like a Chicago again, I wouldn't even consider it. Question three, what what made you sell your business? Uh, 2020. So everything came crashing to a halt and all of the bookings ended. And then I had somebody who wanted to buy my business. So like re- literally right at the exact same time as everything went, went away, he offered to buy my business. And then I also wanted to learn about renewable energy like a lot. And, and so it was this sort of trifecta and it allowed me to sell the business. I, I say that's one of my only regrets in life is actually selling the business and uh, I want to get back into it. I did explore the renewable energy side of things for a little while, but fully came back into Airbnb. Question four, what's your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Coffee. Question five, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Probably flying. I think that'd just be so much fun. At like really high speeds though. I wouldn't want to just like casually fly. I want to be able to like get to the other side of the world real quick. Question six. If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be and why? 
Hmm. Seeing the Great Pyramids for the very first time, just because it was like one of those ones where it just hurts the brain. Um, you know what I mean? Like something, you know, when people say like a picture doesn't do it justice. That's one of those uh, scenarios where you literally look at it and you're like, I, you can't even comprehend it. Question seven. What is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, hiking. I like to climb mountains for vacation. Okay. So do you have a favorite hiking spot then or just anywhere where you could go hiking? Uh, pretty well anywhere that you can go on like a multiple day hiking trip that's climbing mountains I would like but the best one that I've done is Half Dome I would say in uh, Yosemite question eight you get three random acts of kindness per day what are your three for today that you'll be doing for someone else um that's a good one um cleaning the dishes uh (laughs) making bed (laughs) and uh uh, just generally like helping out around the house i'm not leaving the house today so I'm okay. yeah so you're gonna do that for the other person in your house yes exactly okay <laughs> make them happy you know question nine favorite food uh chicken wings hot hot chicken wings okay like when you say hot like buffalo wings or super mm. super flaming hot wings like super super flaming hot wings i like to test out the hottest sauce you got at the place usually some places are like crazy crazy hot and I go a little bit below that but I'm working my way up <laughs> and question 10 it's the pass or play question and here are the rules so if you pass the roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question if you choose to play I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire so do you want to pass or play uh let's pass okay What's your question? <laughs> what is the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? Or one of the top ones oh. in your life that just like cornerstone moment changed your life a little bit? Um, I think the recent one was um, finding out that my dad was found unresponsive in his hospital room that was right across from the nurse's station the day before Thanksgiving and that's when I found out that I lost my dad and he was never coming back after just going through medical negligence with him I think that was just crazy and it just felt like straight up out of a movie because when I got the call they're like oh I'm calling about so-and-so and I'm like oh, okay cool and I was like there and I was like oh I think you have the wrong number and then they're like oh no we're calling about Mr. Earl and I'm like oh okay that's my dad what's what's up? And they're like, oh, he was found unresponsive. We've been working on him for eight minutes. And I said, oh, okay. They're like, we'll call you back in 12. Um, if we're able to revive him, then they call back in 12. And they're like, we've worked on him for a total of 20 minutes. There's nothing else we can do. We're sorry for your loss. And that was the conversation. Wow. Wow. So I'm it so was, sorry to hear that. That's not ideal. Oh my God. No. And it was eight days after he had a surgical procedure and they, wow. it was just, the wildest craziest thing I would never wish that on anyone else and it was just horrendous because there is a back-end story to it but I shared that in a lot of the early segments on my podcast what really happened yeah I'm I'm definitely sorry to hear that um it sounds like it made a lot of movement in your your life like to start the podcast because that and all these things like there's a, a, a 
so a little bit of a silver lining, you know, I mean, it's never, you never want that to happen. I, you know, and I'm, I'm so sorry about it, but that little silver lining of you probably helped tons of people since then just through this podcast alone. Yeah. Thank you so much. But on a lighter note, I guess one of the craziest things was um, skiing in Colorado with my husband. We do a lot of adventurous things and um, just taking off my skis in the middle of a slope where a lot of experienced people were coming down. So you have a lot of skiers and snowboarders and I'm just face face down, sitting my ass in the snow, taking off skis. And I decided to hike down the rest of the slope instead (laughs) of skiing down because my knee had popped. And then that same same day, someone who was skiing went straight off the cliff and had to be like um, rescued. So they lowered down like the cord and had to pull the guy back up. And we have no idea how it happened. But the good news of the story is he lived and I was like, I thought you guys told me if I could snow, uh, snowboard, I mean, not snowboard, because I asked him about longboard, because my sister had taught me how to longboard, because she was based yeah. in Cali for some time. So I was like, hey, is it kind of like um, either rollerblading or longboarding, just using kind of your body and like, till, they're like, yeah, 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 you got it, you got it. And I was like, um, I don't got it. <laughs> so that was just crazy. And I was like, I don't think I would ever ski again, but I will try snowboarding because I think you put more of your body movement in it. And if you could kind of lean forward and kind of tilt and maneuver, it just looked easier than skiing. But my husband, he was, mm. he was like getting it. He was like, Shh, sh-, and he's like, I'm getting my Lindsay Vaughn on. And I'm like, who the hell is Lindsay Vaughn? <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You might be the first person to ever say that snowboarding looked easier than skiing. (laughs) I think I've always heard it the opposite way. Yeah. I don't know. It just, in Colorado, it just did not seem like skiing would have been easier than snowboarding. Because it's like you're working with two different things. And I'm like, gosh, this is hard. And then the way you turn and have to slow down. and Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like if I could just kind of put my body into it, like lean in, stop, kind of turn. With maybe it'll board. just come more natural. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it'll just be way more natural for you. I tell you one thing, you, there's a, you will most likely not fall off of a cliff with a snowboard in comparison to skis. Because skis are a lot harder to stop in comparison to snowboard. Snowboard, you just turn and you're on your face. So <laughs> like, if that's what you're worried about. Also, give snowboarding quite a few tries before you actually give up on it. Because it uh, it takes a bit. And you, ha- you have to like get the feel for it and feel for it. And so... If you just try one day, you're likely not going to get it. But a few days and or over a few seasons, you'll get there for sure. And it's way better than skiing. So, Okay, I'll, I'll make that my challenge next time we go back to Colorado. But until then, after this baby, I will stick to doing things that are over water. We love zip lining. So we zip line every time we go to a new place, like whether it's in country or out of the country. Nice. So, Thank you for playing rapid fire, John, and asking that question. So audience, you kind of got a glimpse um, into John and I in a fun and personal way. Now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation. And since I'm from down south, I always say meat and potatoes because I love to eat and I'm a foodie, but I have to exercise so I won't be big as a house. Um, (laughs) So John, let's dive in to Airbnb data. Okay, so... 
Um, before you got into Airbnb, we know you had your business, which the pandemic rocked it and you sold your business. So what else was your background like? Um, just give us a, a Cliff Notes version of growing up, education and et cetera. So then we could really appreciate what you're doing now. Perfect. Yeah. So um, I don't really have true college experience. I went to, I don't really call it, it's like a fake college. It's one of these ones where you do like really quickly. It's for people who are like doing a um, you know, they were, they worked in a factory until they were 40 and then they wanted to get like another, uh, degree or something like that. So it's sort of sped up and I hated school. So that's what I did. And it literally did nothing for me and it was a complete waste of money. So <laughs> there was that. Um, and when I was 22, I got my, uh, investing license, investing in insurance. And I became a financial advisor. Um, uh, by the age of 24, I was managing $10 million and I had a business partner managing 90 million. And, you know, had my own office, had my name on the door, all that fun stuff, but just absolutely hated it. And I saw where it was going to, and I was like, this is just not for me. So I started looking for something different and I found out about Airbnb, started doing it out of my own personal house. And then, um, just kept like reading, uh, articles and, and different stories of like how to actually turn it into a business. Eventually got to the point where I raised money, sold my investing business, raised money, went and, uh, started the Airbnb business. Um, did that for three years, uh, two and a half, three years, and had about 15 locations at my like max, which honestly isn't a, isn't a crazy amount, but they're large four bedrooms. So they were like these, these sort of beasts of places. Um, there were a bunch of them were in Chicago, uh, somewhere down in Scottsdale, somewhere in Michigan also had my own Airbnb cleaning company as well. And then once again, I sold that in 2020. And then, um, one thing that I learned how to do really, really well was understand Airbnb data. Like significantly better than most people and I knew that because I had done presentations on my success and it was based off of a lot of it was based off of data and I had a lot of people reach out to me about it and just ask a lot of the same questions and realize a lot of them were failing and so I put together a little course that I was going to try and sell and I realized I had no idea how to sell a course and it wasn't that great so I literally just gave it away for free and put it onto YouTube and that by putting that onto YouTube, it actually generated so much business that it turned into a Airbnb data consulting business. Um, so I didn't really set out to do it, but it turned into it and it's been awesome. And it just kind of keeps growing and growing since then. Wow, that's in, that's impressive. And congratulations there. And pretty much what you did in a sense was you used the um, information that you had and you put it out there since you didn't know how to sell it in the form of an e-course or a masterclass or whatnot. So what you did was the free to fee method. So you put out a free, a free product with information that you knew people were already coming to you. And in turn, that generated revenue because people gravitated to the content that you put out. So nowadays, what we hear are all these click funnels, or you have to find a lead magnet, or something like that. So you were already a step a, a step ahead of the game, not really realizing it. And now that turned into another business that is very lucrative. And then just to hear how you went into um, invest investing, and then you sold that business, and then you started another business, and you sold that business. So 
just to really follow your heart and what you're passionate about. I think just really understanding who you are and what drives your what drives you and where your passion lies also um, showcases the success because if you're super passionate about it, it won't feel like like it's work or etc. And then you focusing on a niche and becoming so good at the craft and knowing that it's something that other people are going to use and leverage also sets you apart, especially in an um, industry that can be very inundated with other people that are doing the same thing, but not everyone is going to be a John Bianchi. And, you know, that's cool. And I know with Air, um, Airbnb, just from using them in the past, whenever we go to different um, cities and we kind of want to stay at an Airbnb versus a hotel or whatnot, um, there's a difference between super hosts. And then, you know, they also changed their settings where in the beginning, they weren't requiring people to submit their driver's license or anything like that. But based on what happened with some of the hosts or some of the people that rented, they had to really take into, um, into consideration security measures and et cetera, to really make sure that you're protecting the, the host, but also the guests are all also respecting the integrity of the home that they're going into because some people's homes are getting destroyed and I'm like "Mm, if they did that to my home I would be hands down so freaking pissed Um, I don't even know what I would do I yeah I agree um I will say that that idea of like Airbnb guests ruining people's homes is 100% the news overplaying it like the news picking up this head title, you know, this title and it's Airbnb, this big company. And then they're saying like, it's something scary, like that people are ruining their homes. That is, it, it is so rare for that to happen. It's not even funny. Like the amount of amazing people that stay at your home, the amount of people who are so nice to your home, take care of your home, like let's help out. Even like some people fix things in your home. Like I had, I had, I think I did the math. It was almost like a hundred thousand people that I had like taken care of in a, in that two and a half, three year span. And out of that entire time period, I had one smart TV get stolen out of, it was $300. It was like a screw up on the booking end of somehow. And somebody got into the listing and they took the smart TV worth $300 over a hundred thousand people or yeah, almost a hundred thousand people and $300 worth of value lost. I mean, like that's, that's amazing. Right. So, um, I just want to, I just want to put that out there. Cause like, it's super rare. And, and, and the way I always explain to people is like, how many hotel rooms have you destroyed? Right. And the answer is always none. Right. And people treat your house pretty well, the exact same way they treat a hotel room. So it's like, it's not as bad as you think. Amazing. And thank you for debunking that because we did hear that a lot on the media about like people destroying homes and et cetera. So um, I do appreciate you hearing that. And let's dive more into the data. Like what are some of the datas and the KPIs, so key performance indicators that you look at um, behind Airbnb? So when it comes to the reason why I can have a business related to Airbnb data is because it's really confusing to figure out how much a home is going to make as an Airbnb full-time, right? So there's a lot of variables that come into play when uh, a home is an Airbnb to figure out how much it's going to make. It could, does, it, does the hot tub make a difference? Do the way the photos make a difference? Does the title make a difference? Um, does it have views of the city or does it not have views of the city? Like all of these little things make a difference in how much revenue an individual home can make. And so you can ha- you can literally, like there's, four bedrooms in the exact same zip code in Austin or sorry, in Nashville where they're making 200,000 and some are making 50,000 and they're in the exact same zip code. Right. 
And so one thing that I've been trying to help people understand is like how to get to that one answer of how much is this home going to make, right? If I were to run it as a full-time Airbnb and run it really well, because when it comes to a long-term rental, it's really simple. You look at the other, you know, if I, if I buy a long-term rental and it's got uh, two bedrooms, I look at all the other two bedrooms and how much they're renting out for on a monthly basis. And I know how much I'm going to make on an annual basis, right? Um, so question really quick there, yeah. John, I want to ask. So you just mentioned looking at the other rentals. So what you're doing is your market research analysis and you're comparing where you're comparing, right, the area that you're thinking about renting in to the other competitors that are in the area to kind of see how your property is going to um, align with that. Is that correct? That's that's exactly it. Okay. Um, and, and going really deep into the detail. Okay. Right? So uh, the it's called the Burger King logic. So McDonald's spends millions of dollars to figure out what corner to be on. Burger King opens up across the street. Right. So we are the Burger King in this situation. We are we are looking at all of the Airbnbs that have existed, figuring out exactly how much they're all making and determining, like, if we open up across the street with the exact same product, will we make the exact same amount? Right. And for the most case, like until you get to oversaturation, then you start losing uh, revenue. However, for the most case, and in my experience, you can almost replicate to a T what is already out there. And it's going to make almost the exact same amount as the other home that is across the street. Right. Um, so the idea is like, you want to look at your competitors, you want to figure out exactly how much they're making and you want to figure out all the details as to why they're making that amount of money. Right. Right. And so like what I do and I teach people to do is make a list of all of the different things that are inside the home, um, and, and write them out and then go to the next listing and do the exact same thing. Because the whole point of data is to find a trend or a pattern. Right. And so my, my, what, what my company does really well is we, take the data and we sort it and organize it in a way that allows you to really easily see a pattern or a trend within any city, any neighborhood really quickly. Right. And then from there, you're sort of just going through and trying to figure out exactly what you need to be able to hit that number. Right. So as for instance, the Nashville um, example that I just gave the four bedroom within, you know, downtown Nashville, there's some homes making 200,000. Like there's a, there's a handful of them. There's about 10, but there's about 20 that are making about a hundred thousand. Right. And so what I would do is I'd go through there and I'd write out every single last item in that 200, the ones that are making 200, because I can guarantee you they're all going to look very, very, very similar. The kitchens are going to be similar, the photos, they're likely going to have rooftop patios that are overlooking the cities um, and all these different things, right? Like these really nice features, they're probably going to have luxury touches. That's why they're making 200,000. And then the 100,000 home is going to be, you know, less, but you want to write out what those are. And then the reason you do this is because you don't want to buy a home assuming it's going to make 200000 but it has all the features of a $100,000 home, right? Mm, and, okay, that yeah, makes so, sense. That's a general logic. And I like the general logic. And um, since you mentioned Austin um, earlier, I guess it was a faux pas. Um, I resonate with like Texas area because I'm in the Texas um, area. So nice. I know when whenever we think about Texas, people always say everything is bigger in Texas, which it is depending on where you're located. And yep. I'm just going to use Austin, for example, because we love the Austin area. So Austin area, there are certain um, types of different metropolitans that may be outside of the Austin city limits, like Leander, Pflugerville, and some other places like that. And yep. then whenever you go look at the listings on Airbnb, Airbnb, from a consumer standpoint, 
I like to look at the pictures. If I can't see a good visual representation of what that home looks like or what I'm getting, I'm going to move on to the next because oh, yeah. we've all heard that pictures are worth a thousand words. Then I'm going to also look at what's in the area for me to do. I mentioned I'm a foodie. I like to eat. So are you going to tell me about the food places that's in the area, especially if it's an area that I've never stayed in? What type of activities are there, especially if you're doing like a staycation with either your girlfriends, your guy friends, or maybe your partner, you kind of want to make sure that you have things in the vicinity that you can do. Okay, does and let's think about pets because some people do allow pets in their homes. But if you're a type of person that has allergies and other type of sensitivities, you need to know that information up front so you don't book that home and then you go there to have a good time, but then you end up having a flare up because they didn't allude that pets were welcomed. And then you're like, oh crap, I'm sharing this shared space with someone who has a freaking cat or a dog or whatever the case may be. I love animals, but I may not always want them in the house because some animals shed more than others and whatnot. Um, also, is there a sp uh, particular space that may be off limits? Like some people put off limits area in their Airbnb. They're like, you can have access to all of this except this. Yeah, and that could be a deal breaker for some, in my in my opinion. So some of those some of those are the things that I look for as a consumer. But then one thing that really pissed me off with Airbnb is sometimes whenever something happens, like a person that you may always travel with gets banned from Airbnb. But then if you're associated with that person and you didn't do anything wrong, they ban you as well. And I'm like, hold up, we're two different people, you know, here. Mm -hmm. Like, why am like, why does that happen or whatnot? And I'm not sure if it's because of what has happened in the past with Airbnb or what, but I also think that some of those should be built into the data and the metrics as well. And I think some of some of the people like that I've talked to that that has happened to, they went from using Airbnb to VRBO, and then with VRBO, depending on where uh, where you're going, like by um, background, I'm um, first generation American, so my family is Caribbean. So sometimes down in the islands and some of the tropical places, they may not always have Airbnb, but they do have VRBO. Yeah, yeah. So that's a uh, yeah. I've never actually heard of of somebody getting banned because they were going with somebody who was banned or got banned or something like that. Like that really sucks. Yeah. That's kind of uh there's been, I mean, like I've had a, I've had issues with Airbnb, like Airbnb guests, pretty bad ones as well. And like, uh, you know, it's, it's some people should be banned. <laughs> let, me, let me just say that in a nice way, <laughs> but you know, who they're with shouldn't be banned necessarily. Right. Um, but that sounds like Airbnb just kind of overcompensating, but I mean, you do have, vrbo as well like definitely and in, and in some areas like vrbo definitely makes more sense too um and you know i like that you're talking from a consumer perspective right of airbnb because i always try to put myself in the shoes of the consumer when i'm thinking about how i'm putting together an airbnb right or when i'm teaching people like this is how you have to do this if you want to make the amount of money right because from an investor side they're always just thinking like oh how much money can i save or um, you know, what's the best deal or whatever it is, but it's like, you should be thinking more so about how can I win in the, in the eyes of the guests, because that's how you're going to generate even more revenue than you would have expected. And one thing that you mentioned was the photos and the photos. Um, I always say that the photos make a $10,000 difference. And it's, it's like, it's pretty clear to me with, if you have bad photos in a good home, you're going to make $10,000 less than if you were to just take a better photo shoot. 
professional photo shoot without a doubt it's going to cost you somewhere between like 200 to 500 dollars worth every single last penny because you're going to make about ten thousand dollars off of that um and so as like as an investor side now the other thing of like how to win right not only is it great photos but um it's every little additional amenity so yes. you, were, you were mentioning something there and it kind of triggered my mind going like what i've noticed the people who constantly w- are winning or at the top when i say winning i mean like there could be you know 54 bedrooms in an area but there's a couple that are at the very very top right and they're making like quite a bit more than everybody else and the way that they're winning is that they have provided more and more and more amenities than anybody else they have they have the the, the hot tub the putting green the extra space that went all over the deck they really went all out with the design they made the photo that showed you where all the extra restaurants are around town they showed you what the walk score is they 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 put like little descriptions underneath every single photo so that you understand exactly what you're looking at they provide like every single little thing you could think of um and those are the ones that have really high occupancy people pay more for them because they're like they're like this is exactly what i'm looking for you know what i mean absolutely and one thing i want to chime in too like i've seen some people even provide snacks like a welcome package for their guests like if it's a first first time guest and then like the bathroom stuff like the toiletries and etc because let's think about it depending on what area you live in if you're in a melting pot and you have a lot of business people that travel that choose to go airbnb route versus like a hotel route because maybe it's um cheaper for the overhead cost for their employers and i'm just saying this as an example because i come from a corporate background Mm -hmm. then if you put those things there it's going to be like oh hashtag soul because I don't I could pack less especially if you are traveling far you need to be mindful of the amount of luggage that you're packing and etc especially if you're going on a business trip you want to make sure you're staying in a nice area you want to make sure there are certain things in place for you and etc and then if the Airbnbs like I know like with a hotel for example they hire car services for us that travel on business so if you're an Airbnb host like why don't you just um, have like a list of of maybe reputable car services that you have personally used that you could have vouched for your guests. Like whether it's an Uber, whether it's a Lyft, whether it's a drive or whatnot, or in Austin, for example, um, e-bikes, tell them how to use the e-bikes or the scooters, or if there's like a great mass public transportation, put that information in there. So people who are new to the area are not struggling to find that info. 100%. 100%. Like that's, those are, those are great, great ideas too. And you got to treat it like a business. You know, you, yes, you're just renting out your house, but you, who the people who treat it like a business and, and think like, what is a hotel doing right now? You know what I mean? Like what kind of a, what kind of like information and everything is a hotel providing and how can I do the same? Right. When you, when you go from that perspective, um, it really changes the way that you think about it and you start to act more professional as the host and you start to do more for the guests and you start to make more money. And it's just like, it's just how it works. It literally is just how it works. So, yeah. So another question I want to ask, because I want to be respectful of your time commitment, John, are there maybe five to 10 tips that you could share when it comes to Airbnb data that someone who's interested in getting involved in Airbnb from an investment standpoint can be mindful of as they begin to start off in their journey with their home, like, um, whether it is a one-story home, a two-story home, single family um, home with maybe some shared spaces, because that's also another complexity that people need to be mindful of, especially if they're actually living in the same home that they're renting out. Yeah, definitely. I can give probably 100 and 
50,000 tips. So, <laughs> um, but this is, I'll give some of the main ones. So if you're, if you're like brand new to it, there's kind of a step, pro, a, a couple of steps that you need to go through here. So like the very first one I always say is regulation, understand your regulation. Otherwise you're going to get screwed. You're going to break the law and you're going to lose a bunch of money. The next one is data. You really want to understand your data as much as you possibly can. And then the third thing you want to do is learn how to actually operate an Airbnb. So operating one Airbnb is very, very easy. So don't like stress about it. Um, you'll, you'll figure it out once you get the property. So then therefore, focus in on the data to understand everything you need to know about the data so that you are ensuring that you are actually getting a good property, right? So like the the whole moto, I, I, I can never remember that. The whole thing about my company, like what we're trying to solve here is ensuring that nobody signs an unprofitable lease. So a lot of people do rental arbitrage. They'll sign a lease for a home. They're renting out the home. They're turning it into an Airbnb and they end up paying more money and expenses through the lease, the utilities and everything than they actually make through Airbnb. And so we're, I'm trying to make sure that that does not happen anymore by people understanding the data in the process, right? Now, the another, like the tip with the data is to not just look at an individual property that meets your budget and try to sign that sign that property or buy that property or anything like that and assume that it's going to do well. Instead, what you want to do is actually take it a step back. So you want to look at whatever city you're in, whatever market it is, take a look at the entire market, take all of the data in that market and bring it into an Excel sheet and, and sort it in a way that allows you to see patterns and trends across the different uh, zip codes or neighborhoods of that market, right? Because um, the amount of money that you make in one area of the town for a four bedroom will be very different from another area of the town, right? And it could be, you could it, it, the best spot might be right outside of downtown or it might be really far away from downtown, but you don't know until you let, until you look through the data and actually figure it out. <clears throat> and as some examples for this, my specialty were four bedrooms within Lincoln Park in Chicago. Um, hands down, that was like the best spot for me to be. However, a three bedroom in that exact same area actually lost me money. So I had to know the data really well to truly understand what I was getting myself into. It wasn't just the neighborhood. It was also the bedroom size. Right. Um, and I can go through a ton of different examples, but what I'm just trying to say is like, I do have a free course on YouTube that allows you to, uh, um, go through a process that I created. It's a very manual process. And it allows you to pull the data and understand exactly what you need to know about a market. And that's what I taught. Now, if you want to get more in depth with it, if you really want to go into it, I, you can reach out to me directly and I can show you exactly how I do it the non-manual way. <laughs> we can um, work together on that side of things. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that, John. And for your call to action, um, let them know if you have a specific call to action outside of going going and checking out your YouTube video. And if you don't have a specific one, plug your website information and where you primarily hang out on social media so they could connect with you. Awesome. So uh, the the two courses on YouTube are definitely going to be like a great place to start to learn about me and what I, I'm capable of, what I know, and, and kind of get like a good footing on the data. Um, however, I would strongly recommend that you actually just set a call with me. It's a free consultation. We hop on a call for 15 minutes and like you talk about whatever your market is, and I try and help you understand exactly what your options are. Um, you can email me at hello at pointanalytics.co, and we'll hop on a, uh, hop on a 15-minute call. Um, I don't really have socials, so you have my – I do have an Instagram that you can follow. Uh, it's not directly related to Airbnb data. 
But if you find my YouTube, just type in my name, John Bianchi, you'll or Airbnb data or AirDNA, you are going to find me there. Um, and then you can go into my about page and find my Instagram there. Uh, it's Jonathan Antonio Bianchi. That's my handle. It's not a very good one, but <laughs> email me. It's a hands down the best way. No worries. And thanks for sharing that. I can't believe you don't actually have an Instagram or about this information, but um, it's incredible that you do have the um, YouTube channel where people could go grab that information. So John, all of your contact information will be in the show notes. So your website, and then they could also backlink to the other information that you mentioned, those two courses, as well as you have, a, do you have like a calendar link there for your 15 minute discovery slash consultation call? Yes, I do. Okay, perfect. So there you have it, audience. Um, make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see this video recording on our YouTube channel by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And we are currently looking for a brand sponsor. Spaces are limited, but if you would like your brand, your products, your services heard right here, where this podcast is ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the metrics on www.listennotes.com. I am looking for you so we could begin to collaborate because there's more than enough room at the table for all of us to win. And we could go a lot further and faster when we link arms and do it together. So until the next segment, next guest, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.